Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love, love our podcast family and just encourage you to write a review if you haven't already. Rate it, subscribe if you haven't, whether you're watching on YouTube uh, right now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please share these videos with somebody that you know needs it, some leader in your life that you know needs it. If you're listening, on one of the many podcast platforms that we are on, please uh, share that with your friends, rate, review. It really helps get the these episodes out to more people. We believe that every leader uh, out there has a lot to offer and that every leader out there has the potential to walk in supernatural leadership. And so these episodes really are geared towards helping you, the leader, become a lot more supernatural in your leadership. So today... Uh, as we've had lots uh, in the last several months, we have another special guest with us today, an amazing individual. His name is Julian Adams, based out of Boston, Dorchester, Boston. And uh, before I bring him on, I'm going to do a little bit of a bio read for you just so you guys get a little bit familiar with who he is and what uh, he carries. And so Julian, he's a director of Frequency and leader of the Table Boston Church Plant. He is an author, spiritual advisor, revelatory teacher, and leadership consultant in political, business, and creative spheres. He's an internationally recognized prophet and has a proven track record in the fulfillment of words released over individuals, communities, and nations. Julian loves rough and tumble with his kids, cooking, jazz, and date nights with his wife. Great conclusion to an amazing bio julian adams welcome to the supernatural leadership podcast how are you doing thank you sean i am doing rather cold my african blood is still getting used to boston blizzards and weather but uh, we're doing so good you're on the awesome. east coast and yeah having fun that's awesome and you you guys like you your family originally hails from south africa correct that's right yeah i'm from south africa my wife is actually from iran via england um, and we met in the UK, but moved to South Africa, lived there for about, um, after I'd been living in the UK for a while, moved back to South Africa for our married life uh, when we got married. And four and a half years later, moved to Boston to plant a church called The Table. Um, wow. We uh, we had a few people tell us the East Coast of North America is a really tricky place to be. Um, and that if you're going to Boston, it's going to be very difficult. So progressive and liberal and crazy. And are you going to enjoy that but we have honestly seen god do some amazing things we've got a thriving community and uh, we're having so much fun seeing the kingdom of god invade the space that's awesome so outside of what you probably have to say uh boston outside of boston where has been your favorite place to live gosh hands down cape town south africa oh, unparalleled cool. beauty just spectacular place to live amazing people so I, I'm, I mean I'm from Cape Town so I have to say that but honestly it really is beautiful that's amazing what about the food I mean you're you're a foodie I'm gonna guess you're I'm a foodie 
Yeah, I'm totally a foodie. And the beautiful thing about living, particularly in Cape Town, is it's got some of the best Michelin star restaurants and just amazing food and culture. And it's a melting pot of all these different uh, backgrounds of people. So food's great. Yep. Boston is not bad, though. It must be said. That's amazing. You know, I'm a foodie too. I've actually never been to a Michelin star restaurant because, and I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, hundred percent sure this is factual, but I did read something that Canada just, um, I don't know if they're, if they're grafted, they've been grafted into the Michelin life, but Canada for the first time now has the Michelin star rating. I read this recently because up until I think last year or so, we had no Michelin star restaurants in all of Canada. It wasn't, I guess you're Canada wasn't to, recognized. You're going to have to um, get get in on that ride very quickly and start clocking up some good food. I can't Michelin wait. Star. I can't wait. I told Michelle, like my, Michelle, my wife, I said, like, one of my dreams is like when, you know, life is in a different space. I mean, I have four kids. And so when things are different, my dream would be to take, you know, a few months every year, just travel around the world to all the various Michelin three-star restaurants and just enjoy those experiences. I love a good food experience. There's nothing like a good food experience. And so I feel like the Lord might be on that. You should yeah. do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Julian, we, you know, we met several years ago in Los Angeles as part of a, a leaders network called the love coalition led by our friend, Sean Bowles. And, uh, you know, just, I know that we didn't chat a lot and I don't even know what kind of conversations we we had. Lots of people were there, but just watching you, seeing you and the grace on your life, super, super impacted, impressed with what God's put in you and on both of you. Now, this was before you guys were in Boston. So you were coming all the way from South Africa, which was also impressive. I mean, I'm coming from Canada, but not near as far as South Africa and, uh, yeah, just loved what was on you and your wife's life, your, your wife's life, just incredible. And so you have a prophetic school, you, you're an author, uh, you have a, uh, an amazing church, like you said, church plant in Boston. But before we kind of dive into some of that element and some of what you carry and who you are and what God's graced you with, tell us, tell the listeners, tell me, I don't even really know, uh, a little bit of your supernatural leadership journey. Like, how did you go from, I don't know if you were, you know, if you considered yourself always a believer in Jesus or what, like, just what was your testimony? What's your story? What's your, a little bit of your history to bring us into yeah. um, a little bit of understanding here of who you are? Yeah. Thanks, Sean. I, for me, it, you know, God's been so incredibly kind. He, he's the kindest person I know. I was born in apartheid South Africa. So there was this uh, systemic legislative separation of people of color and white people. Um, I was also born with what's called a cleft palate, which impacted my speech and my ability to hear. Uh, so my development as a kid was, was really difficult, really tricky. Um, all the odds were stacked against me in terms wow. of being born as a person of color in a time when that was not celebrated in any way, shape or form, in a country that was hitting into some significant riots and uh, protests. Um, it was very violent um, time. And um, somehow God found me in the midst of all of that. My parents uh, were amazing uh, church planters and church leaders in their own right. Um, and prayed for me when I was just a little boy, just at the end of my third, fourth year to receive um, the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was like a light switch went on 
in terms of an appetite for God, an appetite for uh, his purposes. And I began to notice that I would have bits of impressions, thoughts, ideas that would be popping into my head quite regularly, um, which would then, those thoughts would then work itself out in my family or in my local church at the time. So it was kind of crazy because I started recognizing this pattern of God speaking to me. And my parents thankfully saw that too. Um, wow. And I, I realized God was doing something with me, but I never felt like I had any tools or ability. I was so aware of my um, my speech impediment. I was aware of my just awkwardness and inability to connect. And so it was super hard for me. I, I, I realized there was a sense of leadership but there's nothing in me to make that happen. Um, my education level was pretty low because I got apartheid South Africa. You know, I was in a class of one of 49 kids. You don't wow. get the opportunity to study. University was never going to be an option. We came wow. from a relatively uh, poorer background. But God met me in the midst of that. And I remember God saying to me uh, as a 15-year-old as a boy that, he was going to use me to travel the world. He was going to use me to speak to influences and people of significance. And my whole worldview did not um, set me up for that. My my life experience certainly did not provide any kind of vision for that. But it's incredible what the power of um, an encounter with God can do and how it can direct your life. And had this wonderful moment where God filled me with the Spirit again at the age of 15, and it changed the trajectory of my life. By the time I was 18, I was leading a, a youth group in my town that then went on to experience a bit of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People got saved. Um, wow. It was amazing. And before I knew it, I was thrust into ministry. Um, and the incredible thing is that the thing that I thought was the weakest part of me in terms of my ability to speak and my ability to hear, which are both impaired because of a physical disability, God was now using to impact the world around me. Wow. And as I was just faithful and sharing little thoughts, impressions, ideas uh, in different spaces, suddenly I started seeing incredible opportunities and found myself in favorful moments, being able to prophesy over political leaders and influencers and billionaires. I have no clue how I even got there other than the kindness of God because I'm not qualified to do it. But that's the thing about living a life of the supernatural is God gets you into spaces and places that you could never earn or work for or network to. And suddenly you, you're able to influence things. So God, yeah, God met with me as a young kid and it changed everything, filled me with boldness and gave me this ability despite my own inadequacies to communicate grace to people, which is being an exhilarating ride. I love that. I love that because, you know, all throughout scripture, we know that God qualifies people that the world would disqualify. And, you know, we think of success, but God looks at significance and exactly. success has a definition that the world has created for us that we often can, if we're not careful, be led to go after when God really wants us to have significance and leave legacy behind and and God can trump all the things that the world expects a successful person to look like or or to to act like. And, and he comes in and his grace just changes everything. We see this in Moses. We see this in Noah. We see this in all these guys, Joseph, that changed the game. Daniel, 
they all had stuff. We all have stuff. I mean, I grew up with a speech impediment. I was in speech therapy since I was uh, five years old during what I think was a a traumatic time in my life. My parents divorced. That's when it started. And on my baptism, I was healed of that speech impediment. And it was a severe speech impediment. And I said to people around me all the time, I'll never speak behind a mic because of the speech impediment. And I would the anxiety and the fear and like the, it was a severe stutter. And so I, I was a drummer. I was a background guy. I'm like, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to be a musician and got out other plans. And um, I never in a thousand, I never would have thought that I would be doing what I do today. All I do is speak and God will use us in our weakness. And I think a, a big part of that is so that we can learn to trust him to be our strength Without weakness, there'd be no need for relying on God's strength. Absolutely. And I love that Paul says that in my weakness, I am made strong. When it makes no sense, God is the strongest. And so I love hearing you share that because I think it it brings it brings um, God's grace down to a level that everybody can experience that because everybody has weakness. Everybody has areas where they feel like disqualified. And if God can use a bunch of disciples to change the world that had no education, not a good, so good background, man, God can use us and in our insufficiencies and our, all the roadblocks that we think we have. But today I really want to do this because I think you and I have very similar, um, e- even the fact that you shared about your, your, your challenges, like I feel yeah. very, uh, connected to you. Cause I think we have very similar things. We both lead a church. We both, uh, you know, have our, our itinerants. We both travel. We both have a school of the supernatural teaching about the prophetic, the voice of God, and so I think we could dive deep today on some stuff. And I first want to ask you the question, what is your view on what supernatural leadership is? And the second question I want to ask you, and you can answer both at the same time, is what's one area you feel like is a roadblock when either teaching people to recognize the voice of God or just as a roadblock is that, that people have that you think that you see that people have when trying to recognize the voice of God in their lives? Yeah, I think, Sean, I think the key things that I would say in, in answer to your first question around what is supernatural leadership. Um, I think growing up in a developing world context, the idea of separating the physical from the supernatural is entirely foreign to me. Um, I grew up as a kid being aware of the realm of the supernatural, uh, um, where there are forces of good and evil, where Jesus is central and overall and mm. the idea of uh, supernatural activity by the work of the holy spirit was not foreign to me and it infused my physical world it infused every aspect of my life and i think in the west with the advent of modernism we have and postmodernism now we have tried to separate the physical from the spiritual and we created a worldview that has produced duality rather than an integrated whole. And I think one of the things that I've begun to discover is that when you live from an integrated worldview where there is the realm or the world of the supernatural infused into this natural dynamic, that you suddenly have access to intelligence. You suddenly have access to ideas and solutions, and you suddenly have access to purpose in a way that goes beyond the realm of this physical world that we see. And actually, it's where it connects you to genuine significance, particularly when you're plugged into the person of Jesus, right? 
And so I think once you begin to understand that there is a supernatural dimension, there's this dimension that's with, as in Jesus' own words, that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within arm's reach. It's accessible. That that changes the way you live in this present world, particularly when you see it with a hopeful expectation that God is coming back, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to make all things new. And our job in the prophetic is to show what it will look like if Jesus had already come. Mm. Um, and so we are these outposts of a glimpse into the supernatural world um, that reveals God's preferred future for us. And when we live like that, our leadership is then inspired not simply by my purpose, but by the presence of Jesus. So I, I, I think it's so important that we're not only purpose-driven, but that yeah. we're presence-shaped, that actually yeah. God wants to harness our imagination. God wants to, by the work of the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, unlock dimensions to us that we're not used to. That will change the way we lead. It means that the textbook is thrown out and we live with a blank canvas that is inspired and infused by the creativity of heaven. And that's wow. what good leadership, supernatural leadership looks like. I think I the that. second aspect to that is that I'm, I'm learning in terms of supernatural leadership that when you begin to see the dynamic of the supernatural world at work, and I, I'm not just talking about angels i'm talking about or, or, or the kind of weird dynamic of the supernatural i'm talking about this infused energy this rush of power and ideation this uh, ability to dream beyond what's in front of you by the power of the spirit that when you start to see that that actually it's very pragmatic the next few steps that pragmatism follows the leading of the activity of the spirit. And sometimes, particularly in the Christian world, we tend to relegate to the sovereignty of God what actually is our responsibility in partnering yep. with him. And so when we begin to see these ideas totally. and thoughts and, and schemes that God has that are amazing and that's going to have an impact on the world around us, actually we've got to be properly pragmatic. And in many ways, that's when the textbook should work for us. Um, mm. But we often get it the wrong way around. We we want the textbook before we get the relational revelation that comes yeah. from connection to Jesus. Um, and I think one of the biggest blocks that follows then in terms of actually recognizing God's voice, recognizing the voice of Jesus in our everyday and in every way is actually redefining our identity and our worldview. Like our, our worldview uh, determines everything that we filter the events around us through. And because for most of us, we have reduced um, theological experience or theological truth just to an ideology or to an intellectualized systematic thought pattern, we have blocked off the ability to recognize God in different spaces, in mm. different places, to recognize his leadership in different ways. And when we reorientate our worldview to a supernatural dimension, to a, a integrated whole, that actually what I do in the physical impacts, what happens in my leadership dynamic and the supernatural world and vice versa. Um, and as I begin to redefine my identity around the beauty of what it means to be connected to Jesus, what it means to be empowered by his spirit, and what it means to live genuinely 
as the answer to Jesus' prayer, which is let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like, we're it. We're the answer. When, when Jesus was praying that, he was seeing a body of people infused by the Holy Spirit doing the stuff that yeah. changes everything around us. So for me, I think the the big block into recognizing God's voice often begins in our mind and reorientating yeah. our mind that actually the intellect is meant to serve as a connector to the world of the supernatural, mm -hmm. not meant to be a block. That our Absolutely. ability to gather information, our ability to yeah. use powers of discernment is all the connection point that flows from relationship. Hey everyone, before we continue on with this interview, have you ever wondered what it would be like to go to a new level in recognizing the voice of God? Well, now you have your chance. The Supernatural Leadership School has just launched a brand new e-course, The Voice of God, Module 2, where we're gonna dive deeper into understanding the power of the voice of God in and through our leadership. The voice of God is one of the areas of our relationship with God that makes it so much fun. In this e-course, you're gonna receive a full comprehensive digital workbook, as well as over seven hours of teaching, six lessons, and over 17 videos, and full of opportunities to apply the lesson content with our activations at the end of each lesson. We will be exploring topics like the voice and the spirit of prophecy, the gift and the prophet, how to see in the spirit, the nine supernatural gifts of the spirit, training the five spiritual senses, learning our dream language part one, part two, and part three, as well including a practical dream interpretation guide at the end. I wanna encourage you to register today and begin a whole new supernatural leadership journey, taking your leadership to a whole new level in the marketplace and in the church. Hope you can join us on this journey. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, I was just gonna say that you know, like Romans 12, Paul addresses the church at Rome and he says, we need to think right. Because if we think right, if we renew the mind, we'll have a metamorphosis of transformation in our life. And if we think right, we see right. And we're talking about like having a right outlook on how God and where God is in different spaces and how God wants to move in different spaces. And I think for so long, the way the church has stood it's all about how the church sees within the church. But we are moving into an era where it's going to be all about thinking right in the marketplace, thinking right in where 98% of the world operates and functions. It's not in a vocational church setting. And really the premise of this whole podcast really is to help, help bridge the gap between what we understand as believers and how that, that that actually affects and influences the marketplace around us. And I love talking to and working with anybody in the marketplace because this is this is what God wants us to do. He wants to raise up the Daniels that know how to actually bring the supernatural in their sphere. But to do that, we have to think right first. If we think right, we'll eventually see right. If we only think that God wants to move in the prophetic and move you know, in the church and the gifts of God only operate within the confines of a building or in the confines of a community meeting, a spiritual community meeting, we're going to miss it. We're missing the, the the plot. We're missing the mission. We're missing the commission. And so I love Absolutely. that. I, I, I believe that Paul, you know, he was a proof proponent of learning to see. I mean, even the fact that when he had his encounter in Acts 9, the first thing he lost was his sight because 
he had yeah. been seeing wrong all the way up until that point. And God had to turn on the inner eyes, the spiritual eyes. And that's how we actually see in the spirit is from the inside out, not from the outside in. He said, we walk by Absolutely. faith, not by sight. And he was, he knew how to do that because he actually walked blind for three days. So he had to learn how to walk by not yeah. sight, but walk by faith with the internal eyes on. And so let's keep, let's you keep know, going there for a second about, you know, some of the roadblocks in the voice of God. Let's keep kind of hitting this. You know, one of the things that I, I find fascinating in Acts chapter 19, Paul is hanging out in the synagogue in the sacred place. And um, he's talking about the kingdom of God and what that means, the gracious rule and reign of God invading everything. Um, and the religious people of the day get upset with him so much so that he has to leave the sacred space and move to a hall called Tyrannus into a public space. And I think one of the things that will often block us is our past experience of God uh, and our religious ideology that will stop us from realizing, actually, sometimes we got to get out of what we see as sacred spaces into public spaces yeah. to influence the kingdom. And it's after, it's after he's at the Hall of Tyrannus um, having conversations with philosophers of the day and demonstrating the supernatural power of God that the whole of Asia Minor and Ephesus is completely shifted, so much so that the economics have been shifted, uh, that the, the main religion of the day gets changed to Christianity. It, it, it's just profound, his impact from moving out of the sacred space into the public space. What that tells me is that there is no space that is beyond the redemption and redeeming purposes of God. Yeah, and that actually, amazing. if we could just move from religious ideology, from our just say no campaigns, from our moral police vantage into an incarnational supernatural dynamic it's going to change everything and i think for the church we have bought into a particular lie that says we're just waiting for heaven and then we'll get out of this big bad world when the truth is that a supernatural people people who have foresight and insight can have incredible influence to bring about kingdom redemptive purposes in any space. Um, and yeah. I, I wonder if if sometimes for, for many people, hearing and recognizing the voice of God in their workspace is partly because they've still seen that as unholy, partly because they've still seen that as something separate from God. But yeah. the truth is every space is redeemable. Mm. And if we could just move out of the framework of... Um, it needs to, if it's not a sacred space, then it's not sacred. Yeah. Uh, if we can just move that, we we could actually begin to see God invade our space in the most amazing ways. I often tell people the Holy Spirit is honestly my most inconvenient friend. He loves to interrupt every <laughs> aspect of my plan. Yeah. <laughs> and if I learn how to recognize his coming, like those moments when there's a quickening of my heart, those moments when there's a flash of an idea, those moments when I'm daydreaming and there's this thought that seems almost impossible, yet it could be a specific key. All those moments when I'm talking to someone and a thought or an image drops into my heart. Like if I can lean into those inconvenient Holy Spirit moments, and step out in some level of obedience. And I'm not talking about being weird and crazy charismatic. I'm talking about framing it in a healthy way yeah. that can connect people to God. 
it will yeah. shift so much for us. And not only that, I, I think if we could understand the place of the Holy Spirit in redeeming our imagination and how he wants to harness that with our ability to dream up ideas and thoughts and, and to come up with solutions, I, I, I'm often finding myself in spaces where I don't have articulation or language, but the Holy Spirit does because he's going to lead us into all truth, not just biblical truth, all truth. It means he's the best economist. Yeah. He, he's, he's the best lawyer. He's, he's the best consultant. And if we can engage our relational muscle with him and develop a love language with him, we'll recognize him more frequently and be able to see the fruit of that. I love this. This is such a good, um, good topic. Um, I want to ask you because, you know, all of us, when, you know, when we're able to have this conversation in confidence, it's because we've experienced the reality of what we're talking about in those spaces. Obviously we know it to be true because we've experienced it. And there are many people out there that are like, I, you know, I can, I can operate within the supernatural within a church setting, a safe setting, you know, home group setting in my home, family, individual life. But man, I have a hard time bringing that into my world, my everyday world, because I just haven't practiced it. I, I don't know it to be true yet. It's not true for me yet. It's true for us because this is what we've done. This is what we do. This is what we see. It's, it's a natural byproduct of our supernatural leadership kind of just following us wherever we go. Bring us into a story, because I, I believe all of us have these, where it was a milestone moment for you that where you realized at a deeper level the value of really impacting these spaces. Share, share a story with, with the audience right now, just something that stands out to you that this happened and you met this individual and then you realize, oh my gosh, like, man, God, this is, I need to continue to like dig this well everywhere I go. Yeah, I think um, I think one of my most clearest moments of God just bringing me into the impact of um, the prophetic and the impact of giving divine strategy to people was uh, being invited into a context in Asia to then minister at a multinational, uh, multi-international uh, company, massive company billionaire owner, like crazy influencer. Now you need to understand, I got nothing that sets me apart to be a consultant or a coach in the space of business. Like I can, you know, sometimes I'm just trying to figure out my own budget, let alone tell people what they should do with their millions. And um, <laughs> I got invited into their office space. So it's not church. I don't have any lovely Christian music insert your favorite artist playing in the background i've got nothing that makes me feel super anointed no harp I, like i'm a not prophet feeling, no harp at all no there's nothing i mean <laughs> it is it is dead i'm feeling nada and so i'm walking into this room and they've lined up all of the executives like these are christians and non-christians alike um and i'm like Jesus, you've got to help me. Like, I got nothing to give these guys. And I remember sitting down at this massive desk that was just opulent and over the top. Like, I'm a kid from Africa. Like, this is like so foreign. It's totally out of my context. And I said to Jesus, you really need to help me here because I, I really don't have anything. And he said, the first thing he said to me is, son, you don't know your worth. You're the wealthiest wow. person here. 
Wow. Just settle that in your heart. Settle Ooh. in your heart that let's you. Just, let, let's just say loud that moment. Let, let's say loud that moment for a second. You are the wealthiest person in the room. You're you're a spiritual billionaire. That's exactly. always the term I used to use. You're a spiritual billionaire. That's amazing. I love that. Keep so, going. It's like I, I had to settle something in my heart. Like, do I actually believe that who I am is what God has spoken over me? And just settle in my heart that actually here I am seated in a room because of a skill set that has come to me by the unfair advantage of God and by the stewardship of my own heart. And I'm able to prophesy over these people. And the first guy came and sat down and I was trying to like, I don't know if this happens in your process, Sean, but sometimes I'm like, God, give me the word of knowledge. Give me the one thing that's gonna crack it all open. Give me the detail, the specifics that's gonna change everything. So I was kind of getting that. And I felt the Lord saying to me, I've not asked you to give him information. I've asked you to connect to his heart. Wow. And so I, I skilled myself and I began to just connect to God's heart and to his heart. Like, God, what, what do you have for this person? What is the preferred future? What is the purpose that you have for this person? And God began to show me some stuff about his family. And here's this big financial director, hardcore exec, starting to weep as the thing that I go after is his heart and revealing something of God's purpose. Now, the great thing is there's loads of, strategic stuff that God continued to give about the, the implication of this company who now have have massive philanthropic um, influence all over the world because of some of the stuff that I saw. So my connecting with this particular person has shaped the lives of thousands of people, but it started with the simplicity of stopping, realizing who I am and whose I am, and just joyfully and peacefully connecting to God's heart for that person. And in that moment, I began to realize that the prophetic is less about getting the information right. It's less about getting the strategy, but it's all about how do we connect heart to heart? How do we connect to God's heart? How do we connect to his purposes? And, you know, the business world is, is, is hot at the moment about emotional intelligence and about helping people connect and I think like now more than ever, supernatural leadership requires that we connect people to the emotions and the heart of God, because that's what shifts perspective entirely. And in that moment, that man sitting opposite this very bougie, expensive um, desk began to weep as he realized, wow. not only does God know me, he actually cares about me. Hmm. And it shifted something for that entire company as a result. That's amazing. I, I love that. I was just, as we were talking here, I'm thinking, man, we should title this podcast episode, Raising Up Spiritual Billionaires, because that that's Ephesians 4.1. Paul said, to live worthy of the calling, to live worthy of your calling. His prayer was exactly. that you would live worthy according to the worth of your calling. And that word for worthily, the, the English would be worthily or worthy actually means to live according to the matched value. So if God says to you, you are, you're a billion dollar price tag, live like you're a billion dollar, dollar price tag and live like you're the wealthiest person in the room speaking spiritually here. Um, and, and if you, you can do that, if you can see the worth that God has placed on you, you're living according to the value he's placed on you. But unfortunately, so many of us live like we have ten dollars of of value, when God's like, no, you have a billion dollar price tag. You have you have you are 
at that the highest level. And if you could just see yourself at that highest level, you will operate in such a way that it doesn't matter who you're with, you will be significant. You will leave significance behind. I love that. I think that's an amazing, amazing moment. And I know that you probably have many, many more moments like that. And the more you do it, the more you practice, the more you activate that, the more confident, the more secure. And it's like we're fulfilling Romans 8 verse 14 where we're, where Paul says, those that are led by the Spirit are, are the sons of God. Like, our identity, I believe, is affirmed more and more in our lives. Like, we we understand our identity, whose we are, and our sonship as we begin to be led, as we begin to step out into those moments, those territories that feel insecure and, like, we're not qualified. Absolutely. And who are we? You know, and and this is this is our lives, right? Like we we we. This is what supernatural leadership is. It's not being led by simply just "Am I qualified?" But being led by the one who's qualified us. Exactly, exactly. And the thing about that, right? You know, one Corinthians chapter that because we've been given the Holy Spirit, we get to think like God. Because who knows the mind of God except His Spirit? And you've been given the Holy Spirit. That when we get that right, when we realize that the intrinsic worth that we have to God is that he would put his spirit, his intelligence, his creativity in us, it's yeah. got to shift everything. Like, like even just thinking about how we planted the, this church, there is nothing that would qualify us to plant a thriving community in the middle of COVID in one of the most unchurched cities in America, in a context that is ridiculously expensive, yet God has broken in wow. and formed something that is beyond our imagination. It's incredibly beautiful. If we had followed the textbook plans of how to plant a church by whatever your favorite church planting organization is, we would have failed by now. Wow. Because what the, the, the point of of the breath of God in us, the ruach of God in us, is literally the inspiration of who he is, is in us, is breathed into us. We are designed and made to be people who not only recognize God's voice, but to walk in it with a, in a way that will consistently give those who do this regularly the unfair advantage. Wow, wow, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just as we, I know we're running out a little uh, out of time here, but I want to just touch on this one thing before we close. Give us like two or three keys, if you can, of how you've dealt with rejection. Because I can, I can hear people's questions like, okay, like I'm stepping in, or I've already stepped in, but I've had some misses. I've failed. I feel like I wasn't successful in it. I feel rejected. Um, you know, how, how do you break through rejection when you're stepping into new territory, into new spheres to bring this perspective of God and what he thinks about these different environments for the purpose of influence? How have you broken through rejection? Yeah, I think, um, I think there are a number of things that have helped me deal with rejection. I think firstly, for me, I, the life of grace is like an escalator that's going up. Even when you fall, you're still going up. That's wow, the joy that. of salvation, right? That that yeah. 
you know, my little kid, Ezekiel, who is the cutest. I, I have a son named Ezekiel too. I have a son oh named Ezekiel. We totally are tracking right here. I I know. <laughs> Ezekiel is eight years old. He's the cutest little thing ever, right? When I was teaching him how to walk, I would step back so that he could walk forward. And in his walking, he would often fall. I did not berate him or discipline him for stepping out. I did not say you've done a bad job at walking. I celebrated his falls. And I think when you understand the kindness of God and the goodness of God, you realize that as a father, he celebrates our risk. He celebrates wow. our failures too, yeah. because there's something to be learned in all of those processes. So for me, understanding the incredible grace and kindness of God, I genuinely get what I don't deserve, even when I mess it up. That's, that's the gospel. That's the good mm. news, right? Yeah. Um, I think secondly, for me, there's a little verse, um, I think it's in Corinthians, where it talks about Jesus becoming of no reputation. Um, and I remember this, this old prophetic friend of mine, who's an amazing woman of God, she said to me, Julian, until you settle with the reality of being like Christ and being open to be of no reputation, mm. you're going to find the cycles of rejection increasingly difficult. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, that that means I have to generously and violently deal with any attempt of getting it right and placing my affection rather on obedience and following the purposes of God. That, that even yeah. when I get it wrong, I think it's in um, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, it talks about how God even blesses our good intentions. And I think sometimes what we we miss in a result-oriented world, in a world that is driven by metrics and success, is that God is far less interested in the fruit and more interested in the process by which we get that fruit. Yes. And if we understand that and we are genuinely okay with losing our reputation, um, it's all right. Besides, for me, I'm like, if I get it right once and it brings a significant difference to someone, that's worth the thousand times I've made a mess up. And then the last thing I love that. is I get healing regularly. Like one of the things about wounded people uh, is that they wound others. It, 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 it's just proven that if you don't deal with your wounding, you will consistently wound others. And so for me, I'm like, I want to get rid of the junk. I'm going to keep my well pure. The Bible talks about this so clearly in the parable of the soil to do with your heart. Like the healed of fruitfulness of what is sown into your heart is entirely determined by how you steward the soil of your heart. Mm. And so I'm going to get out the weeds of rejection and pain consistently. I'm going to talk to people and a tribe and a community who don't only hold me accountable for the things I'm doing wrong, but hold me accountable for my destiny and who yeah. can help me process the pain of rejection. Mm. Um, and it's a real thing. There's no doubt about it. it. The moments of egg on your face, the moments of people saying that's completely wrong and you are wrong, mm. is painful. But I've got to consistently come back to grace, consistently deal with those weeds in my heart, be vigilant, because rejection left undealt with becomes a fence and it will wound people. Um, and your words no longer become a source of life and accuracy and hopeful potential. They become a source of judgment 
and strife thing. So you've got to deal with this. The, the healthiest supernatural leaders are also the most healthy emotionally. We've mm -hmm. got to have and live in an integrated whole. I love that. Yeah, I, I hear you say, you know, become a, become a man or woman of no reputation and have community in your life because that's a huge part of healing. I think that we need to hear that over and over again. It's funny because the number one thing that I share, and I've shared all around the world in all of my courses, every time I teach them the prophetic, is I share a story about how when people ask me the question, like, how do I deal with rejection or failure? The number one story that I share is a conversation I had with a pastor at a coffee shop who looked at me one day and said, Sean, if you want to be a man of the supernatural, you have to become a man of no reputation. And <laughs> once you can sacrifice your reputation on the altar of your willingness to be obedient in all things, like Ezekiel, Ezekiel, God said, I want you to eat the scroll and you're going to prophesy, but no one's going to listen to you. They're all going to reject you. The point isn't whether they accept you or they accept or, or reject you. The point is your obedience, your obedience. And Absolutely. really to be obedient in the midst of rejection is to sacrifice your reputation on the altar of what's better. And what's always better is taking the risk and being obedient and surrendering no matter what. And so it's so funny. We're on the same exact track. I, 100% agree. Absolute key to overcome rejection, overcome, and even even just continue to overcome your your sort of ability to not let yourself get wounded so much is is to really understand that hey, like I'm living for an audience of one. Absolutely. Sometimes the wounding can come in that rejection, those rejection moments, um, whether it's people that you love or people that you don't even know. Um, but as we as we close here, um before we talk about a little bit about what you're offering and what's available and how people can connect with you, give us, give the listeners um, sort of an activation. What, what can they do to be that spiritual billionaire in their workplace? What can they do uh, to overcome rejection? What can they do to step into a new dimension of bringing the kingdom in their sphere? What can they do? Maybe the next, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is that's on your heart. How can they activate yeah. this? I, you know, what I would encourage people, particularly, take a week of asking Jesus what he thinks about you mm. and journal it. And just not even looking at scripture, just saying, Jesus, what are your thoughts toward me? And allow the spontaneous thoughts of heaven to break in. Um, and then secondly, because I think that the simplest form of prophetic supernatural leadership is always encouragement. Find people in your co-working space that you just, or your working space, wherever you're at, just encourage them. Like it just mm. needs to be one or two lines and ask God for a specific encouragement so that it's personalized to them that mm. then will shift their ability um, to begin to at least be open to the things of God. Um, wow. I, I got to do this just the other day, just prophesying over someone who's not a Christian, just with encouragement. I didn't even have to say, that's out of the Lord. And something rose up inside of them. They're like, how did you know this? This is exactly what I needed. Wow. And so ask God what he thinks about you, and then ask him what he thinks about some of your coworkers and people in the spaces that you have influenced. I love that. The next seven days, you heard the man do that and watch what happens. I just see this picture as you were saying that, like, in my mind's eye of when you're sitting there for seven days asking God what he thinks about you, I see him erasing 
the price that you put on your own price tag and him rewriting to show you what he says you're mm. worth. And once you know what he says you're worth, it will be a lot easier for you to operate and encourage others. Cause like it's, it's really the commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. But if we don't love ourselves because we don't know our worth and how God sees us, how do we love others? How do we encourage others? Well, so I love that. I love this idea of letting God encourage you by reminding you of what you're worth so that you can then go remind others what they're worth by encouraging them. Julian, this has been an awesome conversation. How do we connect with you? What are you offering? I know you have a new book called um, uh, uh, Terra Nova, Terra Nova, and you have a school that teaches on the voice of God, the supernatural called Vox Day. Tell us about those two things. Yeah, so Terra Nova is basically my life manual on how you get to engage the prophetic for the sake of non-church spaces, what it looks like to discover your sphere of influence and what it looks like to redeem every space that God has given you. Um, and it, it really is a robust kingdom message that um, loads of people are finding incredibly helpful in terms of how do they engage with the world around them. And then Vox Day really is a prophetic lifestyle course. It's about how do I engage hearing and recognizing the voice of God in, in my everyday. Um, and we've I've taken my 25 years plus of prophetic ministry and honed it into some of the key themes that I think make for a successful lifestyle in a prophetic that mm. actually goes on to have some level of significance and legacy. Um, it is raw and vulnerable, and it's not just principle-led. It is experience-driven, and it invites you into a space to engage with the prophetic. So yeah, those are the two things. Vox Day, which means voice of God. Terra Nova, which means new earth. Clearly, I got a thing for Latin. Um, they, they'll be great uh, awesome. resources. Check us out on, on my website, julianadams.org, um, and you'll find loads of ways to connect, lots of resources, and the YouTube channel. Uh, go and subscribe. We'd love to have some more people subscribe there. Amazing. And we're going to put all that information of how you get the school, how you get a hold of his book, uh, his social platforms in the description below. So encourage everyone listening, check out what Julian Adams has to offer. I know you will be encouraged. I know you'll be inspired. I know you'll be equipped to do what God's called you to do at a greater level. Remember, everyone has a leader within. So why not make that leader a lot more supernatural? Julian Adams, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. We loved having you and uh, look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. And uh, to all the listeners out there, once again, thank you so much for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby, your host. Can't wait to see you next time. Hope you're enjoying these episodes. I know that you have something so powerful to offer your sphere. Remember, you have a leader within. Let's make that leader a lot more supernatural. Until next time, we will see you soon. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift, or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.